It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, one of your hosts, along with James Rapine, the other one of your hosts. You can find us on Twitter at Jake underscore NFL and at James Rapine. Follow us individually on Twitter and follow the podcast at Locked On Bengals for your daily updates on what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals. Today, Bengals fans, we are going to talk about the onside kick rule. Getting voted on tomorrow by NFL owners, there have been some small modifications to that proposal. And Darren Simmons weighed in with Jeff Hobson on Bengals.com. We'll get into those comments and some of the things that maybe aren't being talked about quite yet. After that, we will talk about a top 100 players in the NFL list that John Ledyard tweeted out today. It was a collaboration between him, Ted Nguyen, Eric Crocker, Brandon Thorne, Trevor Sikama, Mark Schofield, and Kirk Morrison. So a smattering of NFL film experts, offensive line analysts, draft analysts, former players. And there's not a single Bengal on their list of the top 100 players in the NFL. And the one guy that's in their first 20 out is probably not the guy that you're expecting it to be. We'll wrap up by taking a look at the top wide receiver cores as ranked by Pro Football Focus. The Bengals do a little bit more favorably here, and you could probably even argue about some of the teams ranked ahead of them in that list. But let's get started by looking at the onside kick proposal and what Darren Simmons had to say. James, it sounds like Darren Simmons is a little on the fence about this rule change regarding the onside kick. Instead of forcing teams to take an onside kick with new kickoff rules that saw the success rate drop from about 16% to about 9%. Teams are going to have the option to take a 4th and 15 from its own 25 after a field goal or touchdown if the rule change passes. There are a lot of implications to this rule change, particularly around Hail Marys in the last second, but it does seem like something needs to be done about the onside kick. Something does need to be done, and I love this. I think the league has really featured its quarterbacks over the past 15 years or so, starting with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and those guys. And to me, the idea of the Chiefs being down by 14, scoring within a final, the final minute, and Pat Mahomes having to go for it on 4th and 15 to keep the ball, I love this. I, I think it's, one, if you're a Bengals fan and you look at it from a Bengals perspective, you think you just got an elite quarterback in Joe Burrow, This caters to you a bit and you should feel good about it because you can put pressure on the defense if you're down by a score late in the game after you just scored a field goal or a touchdown versus just wishing and hoping that the onside kick bounces your way. Uh, So so I like it. It's not like the onside kick completely goes away. There, There will be that option for special teams units depending on the time and things like that. 
But uh, on the surface, I, I certainly like this option for NFL teams. So in terms of just the play itself and the ability to keep the ball, ignoring all the time aspects for now, according to Pro Football Talk, teams converted 3rd and 15 or 4th and 15, 15.9% of the time last season. This is going to be an untimed play. That was one of the late changes to the proposal that came down on Wednesday. But that does compare relatively favorably to the average of onside kick recoveries from 2010 to 2017, which, as I mentioned earlier, is that 16% number. So we get back to what it was like before, and you get to the spirit of what I think the onside kick was meant to be. You have a 15% chance to get the ball back in about your territory around the 40-yard line. And it opens up a, a box of creativity, of excitement, Right, the, the onside kick, is it must-watch because you're hopeful that your team, your favorite team, gets it? I guess so. But again, the idea of Lamar Jackson and the Ravens need, needing to go for it and get this fourth and 15 late in the game, I love that. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers down by two scores and still in it because you know that you have this in your back pocket. And here's the other thing, and I think that this is something I hope Zach Taylor looks at, it, and I really think that the forward-thinking coaches, assuming this proposal goes through, they could take advantage of, Jake. It's looking at this, and you can do it up to two times per game, and saying, oh, I'm going to do this in the third quarter. Or I'm going to do this you know, right after a score, right before halftime. I, I don't know. I, I'm just I, – there are ways I think you could look at it and say, we're going to do this to really try to seize momentum or have back-to-back -back scores or not, not put uh, pressure – on our defense to get a stop and instead put pressure on the other team to stop us. I'm not saying you do it all the time or anything like that, but I, I do think that forward thinking head coaches, forward thinking organizations can take advantage of this rule if it passes. I think there's some other intriguing factors to consider too. And I actually disagree with Darren Simmons here. He says, if you have five seconds to go in a game and you attempt an onside kick and recover, you have enough time for a play, but the fourth and 15 alternative from the 25 is a hail Mary. I would rather have a Hail Mary with five seconds left than have to recover an onside kick, and then you still have a Hail Mary. I, I think that there's something, if you have an Aaron Rodgers or a Patrick Mahomes with the arms to make those plays and the track record of making those plays, well, that gets a lot more exciting for teams with three seconds left in the game. You have that last gasp attempt. And I wonder if Darren Simmons made these comments before the, the rule or the proposal change rather, where there isn't going to be any time that comes off the clock. It is going to be an untimed down because to me, let's say there are six or seven seconds left on the clock and you have a timeout. I like my chances fourth and 15 and throwing it to AJ green or throwing it to Tyler Boyd for 16 yards and then taking a, an attempting a hail Mary from the 41 yard line versus hoping for an onside kick recovery and then attempting a Hail Mary anyway. So I think that that aspect of it I like. I'm glad that the time isn't going to come off the clock because this, I, I don't know, I, I just, I love this rule if it passes. I think it, it just, it makes a lot of sense in today's NFL. I think it benefits the Bengals. And, and I also think it's going to be nerve-wracking because let, let's say the Bengals are up on the Ravens with a minute to go. And the Ravens, Justin Tucker kicks a 57-yard field goal to get within seven. Well, now you're nervous for that fourth and 15. That's just, that's the reality of it. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword. 
But uh, I certainly think Darren Simmons probably didn't make those comments without or he made them before knowing that it was going to be an untimed down. When this first came up, I thought maybe it should be a fourth and 20 or something instead of a fourth and 15. But I, I get it. I do understand why they would do it. The thing is, if, if you don't make it and you have the timeouts in your pocket and you throw an incomplete pass or something, you're giving it up on the 25. You're giving up points. If you get an onside kick, you can get three quick stops and you're not necessarily – you might get the ball back. So there is some increased risk. But I did think originally that 15 yards – wasn't enough, especially with the direction the game is going. But when you do see that it, it is completed, converted at roughly the same rate as the onside kick used to be, it does start to make a lot of sense. But I just think it needs to eat a built bar, James, and go to a few more yards, right? Built bars to, to build up. This is terrible. Built bars, though, are not terrible. And they <laughs> fit your macros perfectly. They taste amazing. And you can get $10 off right now on BuiltBar.com using promo code LOCKEDON. James, you eat them every day. What would you have today? Coconut almond again, back at it. 130 calories, 7 grams of fiber, just 3 grams of sugar, and 18 grams of protein. So it's protein-packed. And honestly, 4th and 15, hand the ball off to Joe Mixon if he's eating Built Bars because there's no one that's going to tackle him. I mean, that's it. He's going to be untackleable, if that's a word, if he's eating Built Bars. So I hope it's part of his off-season regimen. It's certainly is a part of our off-season regimen, and uh, or at least mine, Jake. I, I hope you've ordered some yet uh, since the, you've tried that sample pack. But uh, again, promo code locked on Save $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this off-season, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. James, we can't be exhaustive going through this list from John Ledyard and company that leaves all the Cincinnati Bengals out of the top 100. In fact, many Bengals fans responded to him and said, how are XYZ players over the Bengals on this list? And John doubled down and said, because they're better than those Bengals players that you just named. In fact, the only guy that makes the honorable mention list, which is the next 20 guys that aren't in the top 100, is DJ Reader. So that means no Geno Atkins. That means no AJ Green. That means no Carlos Dunlap, no Joe Mixon. None of the guys that are on other top 100 lists for the Bengals make this list for John Ledyard, Ted Nguyen, Eric Crocker, Brandon Thorne, Trevor Sikama, Mark Schofield, and Kirk Morrison, who are all guys that I generally respect. I like John, and I like a lot of those guys, but I know John the best out of that list. But this is wild. You can't tell me that the Bengals don't have one player in the top 100 in the NFL. There's a couple of ways you can go about it, and there's a couple of different angles. Here's the one I'm going to attack, and I'm going to ask you straight up, and uh, maybe you disagree and maybe you agree, but the one that stands out to me the most is the guy that last we saw him 
was a WWE champion. Rob Gronkowski is on this list. So the last time he was playing in the NFL, he looked slow, he looked old, he made some great catches in the Super Bowl, but overall it was under an underwhelming season. He's taking an entire year off where he hasn't been at team facilities. He hasn't worked out. He hasn't been preparing for the NFL. He lost some weight that he's had to gain back. And now he signs with Tampa Bay and he's still a top 100 player. I can't do that. Rob Gronkowski or A.J. Green, I'm still taking A.J. Green. And I, there's arguments that could be made with different players. But of the guys that missed a year, I'd much rather have A.J. Green on my team, any team, than Rob Gronkowski. Mostly because he was still playing, at least or, or practicing at some points yeah. last year. Like he's still in NFL shape. I could buy that. Rob Gronkowski's most recent year in the NFL in 2019, 2018, sorry, was a little bit injury marred. That brought down his production, I'm sure. But it wasn't as good as the Rob Gronkowski of old. I have no problems if you want to put Rob Gronkowski on a team of the decade for the 2010 to 2020 period. In fact, I have a problem if you don't. But if this is a top players for the 2020 season, Rob Gronkowski, I think, has something to prove in that category. I think that this list, including Aaron Rodgers at this point in his career, is probably not accurate anymore. I don't know if he is a guy that I think is still a top-tier quarterback in the NFL. Some other guys on this list that I'm not sure, they're still what they used to be. Earl Thomas is one who is starting to fall off a little bit in Baltimore. Fred Warner, a linebacker, is one that stands out as a little bit odd to me. And Frank Clark is is just a wild inclusion to me at the edge position. I think Carlos Dunlap has a really good argument to be on this list. Nick Bosa could certainly be one of the best 100 players in the NFL next year. He isn't there yet, and to me, he still has something to prove in that capacity. But Frank Clark has never, in my opinion, been a top 100 player in the NFL. And Carlos Dunlap finished the season as the best edge player in the league in the second half. And if you put that together for his full season and assume that any of that is going to carry over into next year, I think that that is the easiest one-to-one I would rather have Carlos Dunlap than I would have Frank Clark on my football team. You look at defensive tackle, there's some questions there too. You could talk about Akeem Hicks. You could talk about uh, Geno Atkins not being on the list all you want. And there is an argument for that. And I can see where they're coming from, right? Geno Atkins on the wrong side of 30, declining a little bit. But how do you leave him off? I, I just, I just, I'm not there yet. I'm not either. And here's the reality of it, because we look at positions and stuff like that. Geno Atkins had to play the most snaps of his career last year. Like, that's the reality. So did he get a little more tired because he is on the wrong side of 30 and the production dropped a little bit because he was simply on the field too much? Maybe. But if we're talking about the 2020 season, would I rather have Frank Clark or Geno Atkins? Would I rather have Akeem Hicks or Geno Atkins? Like, there's a reason so many damn people in Cincinnati and elsewhere were up in arms before the trade deadline last year because A.J. Green didn't get moved, because Geno Atkins didn't get moved, because Carlos Dunlap didn't get moved. It's because NFL teams wanted them. And so that's where those leaks come from. The Bengals weren't leaking anything about trading those guys, but they're still quality high-end players. But here's the downside, and this is the reality. When you go 2-14, and 14, it's easy to forget about you. And I get it. It's just a list that these guys made up, and I know they're well-respected. 
But that's that's it. When you go two and fourteen, it's easy to forget about you. If AJ Green goes out there and goes for thirteen hundred yards, or Joe Mixon realizes his full potential and has two thousand yards from scrimmage, or Geno Atkins makes another Pro Bowl and is great this year next to DJ Reader. If all those things happen, all these guys will be on every top one hundred list next this time next year. So it's it's just a matter of them reestablishing themselves. But there's certainly multiple guys on this Bengals roster that deserve to be included in a, a top 100 players list. Yeah, it's just the specific stuff. Like, I really would like to see what the criteria was because you have Trent Williams on this list and not Jason Peters, and Trent Williams hasn't played in over a year. And the last time we saw him, James, I've told you this because you like <laughs> Trent Williams. He yep. wasn't very good. I would rather have Jason Peters. The same issue for Akeem Hicks. He got hurt last year. He was very, very good in 2018. But if you're looking at the most recent performance to project these guys in the future, which is what it seems like for the most part, DJ Reader is, he, he has to be ahead of Akeem Hicks because Akeem Hicks didn't play last year. DJ Reader, one of the best nose tackles in the league last year. So if you're putting guys like Fletcher, Fletcher Cox on the list you, and Chris Jones on the list, you also have to put DJ Reader on the list. And I think that Geno Atkins based on his track record, deserves some consideration as well. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the criteria is here. It's pretty inconsistent from position to position. And to be fair, it is just a bunch of guys that said these are the top 100 players in the NFL by consensus of these guys. Uh, it's just easy to poke holes in. And some of the inclusions just really stand out as very strange to me. Another one that I want to talk about just a little bit is Richie Incognito's on this list, James. And, uh, I mean, he was very good last year, don't get me wrong, but you're expecting him to, to still be good after he's missed some time and came back, and now he's, on, he, he's also on this sharp decline part of the aging curve at this point. So some real questions to be had here, but anytime you come up with the top 100 list, this is a very hard exercise. So... I would I would really challenge fans to do it themselves, but I'm sure that Bengals fans would certainly end up with some of these guys we've talked about in that top 100. They would have to be. I mean, they would have to be. I just, I you're right. I mean, you wonder what the criteria is because we all agree when AJ Green's healthy, he's elite, right? I mean, that's that's just a that's a fact. That isn't a an opinion, pretty much. If he doesn't make the list, then why would Trent Williams, who's who's been out longer and who hasn't been elite? as recent as A.J. Green has. I mean, so there, there's a lot of ways in a, uh, that you could poke holes into it. But this is where the – again, this is where the Bengals are at. And, and you just hope that they can almost embrace this identity. The the win total is five and a half, despite a, a bunch of, of moves that they made in the offseason. The defense, they certainly feel a lot better about it than I think most people do and the national pundits and analysts – so you just go in with a chip on your shoulder and you prove people wrong. And I think if they go into it with that mindset, and not because of this list, but just in general, I think that the, the Bengals will, will play well this year and, and be in a position um, to, to at least excite a fan base that certainly deserves it moving forward. Yeah, and, and I, I do want to say that it is defensible, right? Like you can see why a team with – that had a two and 14 record with all their best players on the wrong side of 30 or are running back in Joe Mixon wouldn't be on this list. We had the argument the other day about Nick Chubb versus Joe Mixon. Nick Chubb's on the list. Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara. Again, very easy to pick apart list. Very hard. To no Derek Henry. 
no Derrick Henry, and no Dalvin Cook, who's in the next 20. Joe Mixon not in the next 20. I, I, I have a hard time reconciling that with how good Joe Mixon was in the second half of the season. But again, this is a team that this is what people think, and that's part of why I brought it up. This is the perception of the Bengals right now. This is who they are to film evaluators who aren't paying as much attention. Coming up in the next segment of the show, though, the Bengals get a little bit more respect from PFF and their data-driven approach, especially when we're looking at wide receiver groups. PFF put out their wide receiver core rankings, and we'll get to that list next. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so let's transition into some more positive coverage of the Cincinnati Bengals. And this is the wide receiver core rankings from Pro Football Focus. And it's actually led by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, James. And this isn't necessarily a team that intuitively I would think of. But when you consider that they've got Chris Goblin and Mike Evans, who are both great. Chris Chris Goblin really broke out last year. They've added... Tyler Johnson, late in the draft, who should fit in perfectly for them in the slot. They've got Rob Gronkowski, who we've just talked about some skepticism for. But if he gets to be a part-time player with O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait, who are also good tight ends, with Tom Brady throwing them the ball, this is a, a unit that's going to look a lot better next year. You scroll down this list a little bit until you find the Cincinnati Bengals at number 11 on the list headlined by AJ Green. We've talked about how deep the wide receiver room is. T Higgins added in the draft. Some questions at tight end for sure. There's not an elite pass catching tight end on this roster, but Joe Mixon, while he's not included and running backs generally aren't included in this ranking, Joe Mixon is a good receiving back and we'll see if he gets more involved. So the strength of the Bengals really comes strictly from that wide receiver room. It does. It absolutely does. And they could certainly be much higher on this list a year from now. And 11 is, is pretty darn high when you, you look at what they did as a unit last year. How many times did you watch the Bengals? And because of injury, primarily, you're like, man, no one can get open. Well, that should change with T. Higgins in the fold, obviously a healthy A.J. Green and a healthy John Ross. So I think that this is fair. This actually might be a little high compared to just based on injuries and lack of production outside of Tyler Boyd the past two seasons, just because of injuries to Green and Ross is up and down and things like that. But from a talent perspective, just strictly on talent, if you told me the Bengals wide receivers stayed healthy all year, I could see them being top five on this list a year from now. I mean, they they have the talent. They've invested the draft capital, certainly in the assets, into making that wide receiver room great. And when you look at it, Auden Tate as your fifth wide receiver, the dude is it just has an uncanny ability. I was watching him yesterday to find a way to grab a ball where he's completely covered and smothered. And I think that ability will be great and and suit him well, especially with a guy as accurate as Joe Burrow. 
Very good contested catch ability from Auden Tate, which is generally a strength of this wide receiver room with A.J. Green, Auden Tate, even Tyler Boyd to some degree. T. Higgins certainly fits that mold a little bit more than, than Tyler Boyd does. So here are the other teams ahead of the Bengals on the list, just for context. We have Tampa at number one, as we discussed. Kansas City is number two, buoyed by Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey with the, the rest of the starters, including Sammy Watkins and Miko Hardman, who had a really good rookie year last year. That one makes sense to me. Dallas comes in at number three with CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup, who again was pretty good last year. New Orleans, this is almost exclusively, I assume, because of Mike Thomas, but they added Emmanuel Sanders as well, and they count Alvin Kamara actually as a passing game weapon here. So I think you have to count Joe Mixon too, but still, it's fair to me that the New Orleans Saints are up there. Now, the first surprise for me in this top of the list, actually the next two, Buffalo and Detroit. So Buffalo, you've got Stephon Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley. Dawson Knox was a rookie tight end last year, made some big plays against the Bengals, but was pretty inconsistent. Stephon Diggs has elevated the Buffalo Bills group into the top five wide receiver rooms in the NFL. For Detroit, it's Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, and Kenny Galladay is really good. If TJ Hawkinson is a tight end we thought he could be, this could make sense. But I would not intuitively have thought, oh yeah, Buffalo and Detroit easily have some of the best wide receiver groups in the league. And this is why you could see the Bengals' path to moving up this list, right? Because there there are some question marks. You look at the Bills. Yeah, John Brown stayed healthy last year and, and emerged and was kind of one of Josh Allen's go-to guys. Cole Beasley was consistent. Is Diggs a number one? And does Josh Allen need a big wide receiver and not a bunch of small guys running around in space in Buffalo? I think that's something worth noting. Who knows how he fits in there? And then Detroit, honestly, I think the Bengals wide receivers are already better than Detroit's. Kenny Galladay might be uh, the best of the bunch right now since A.J. Green has dealt with injuries. But if it's a healthy A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd versus Galladay and Jones, it's close. I probably lean Green and Boyd. I think they complement each other really well. And then three through five, I think it's the Bengals all the way, even though Danny Amendola is still a reliable slot option. Um, So I'm with you there. And and I just – there are so many question marks, and I think the the Bengals like are are the Panthers really eighth? Like I have questions about that too. I, I don't think that they're eighth. DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson. I don't know. To to me, Jake, there there are certainly arguments to be made, and there are spots where the Bengals could certainly climb up with a successful season. So I think it's worth pointing out that this is just receivers. This isn't strictly wide receivers. Most of the Bengals receiving value comes from the receivers. So for Carolina, this includes Christian McCaffrey. And and DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel are both really, really good. And Robbie Anderson was probably the best receiver on the Jets last year. So I actually think the Carolina might be too low. I might actually move Carolina ahead of some of these other teams. Detroit's at six, largely because of TJ Hawkinson's projection. And PFF really likes DeAndre Swift as a receiving back a little bit more than I do. The Los Angeles Chargers come in at seven with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler. Nobody thinks about the Chargers because they're just generally a forgotten team in the NFL, but I think that that's relatively fair. Then Cleveland comes in at nine with Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, and David Njoku. This one is a little bit high for me with the way Odell played last year. Yeah, I know he was hurt, but man, I just, 
I just feel like Jarvis Landry remains overrated even by PFF. And uh, there they are at number nine. And then number 10, the last team ahead of the Bengals, the Denver Broncos, who have a, a huge breakout player last year in Cortland Sutton, was very, very good for Denver. They add Jerry Judy with their draft. They add KJ Hamler, Noah Fant last year's draft, and Albert O in this year's draft. They really went out and got a lot of weapons. I remember saying after the draft, man, they really stocked that cupboard for Drew Locke. So I get that one too. So for me, Cleveland Browns a little too high. Carolina might be a little bit too low. And I, I don't have any real opinions about the Chargers. The Lions might also be a little bit high, although Kenny Galladay is really, really good. And I get the projection for Hawkinson and Swift. I'm shocked that you're that you feel that way about the Panthers. Like to me, they're good, and, and, but I, I just I, I would take Cleveland's weapons over them. Kareem Hunt isn't even mentioned. Like J- Joe Mixon can catch the ball too. It's the, the Bengals are bad at using them. Well, like, would you trade the Bengals skill players for the Panthers skill players? I wouldn't. Hmm. That's that's pretty close for me. I might because DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel are both young and really good, and I think that they've been held back by quarterbacking more than they're held back by their own talents. Maybe. Maybe. They're both young. The the biggest thing is they're young. DJ Moore, 21, just turned 21. Curtis Samuel, about to turn 24. Yeah. And and the the other thing here is John Ross has underperformed. Odd Tate has overperformed, but he's a seventh-round pick. Who knows what he does? We don't know what T. Higgins is. A.J. Green has missed 29 of 64 games. And Tyler Boyd has been consistent, but he's primarily a slot weapon. So, you, you could break it down the other way. And then as far as Mixon's concerned, the Bengals have failed to utilize him or maximize his value in the pass game I, You know, as a receiving option out of the backfield. I think that that could change this year. And if that happens, then who knows? Maybe they just move up by default because Mixon's so productive out of the backfield. Let's Yeah. So let's let's give the fans some, something to brag about here. The Bengals are ahead of the Cardinals, who have just added DeAndre mm-hmm. Hopkins to go with Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk. Andy Isabella, who PFF loves. We'll see if he ever amounts to anything in the NFL. And Kenyon Drake out of the backfield. They're ahead of Atlanta with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. They did lose Austin Hooper's production, but they add Hayden Hurst. They've got some backups that are pretty well thought of in Russell Gage and Laquan Treadwell, who will look to revive his career. Bengals are also ahead of the Philadelphia Eagles, who come in at 14, headed by Alshon Jeffrey, who... Like A.J. Green has struggled with injuries. Deshaun Jackson, who who knows what he has left. J.J. R. let me get this right, Arthega Whiteside, who uh, was disastrous, honestly, in his rookie season, but was very well thought of as a prospect. They also add Jalen Rager. And also ahead of 15th, Los Angeles Rams, who have lost Brandon Cooks, but still have Robert Woods, Amar, uh, sorry, Cooper Cup, and Tyler Higby. So, Gerald Everett as well at tight end. So some teams the Bengals are ahead of there that are still pretty good teams, also ahead of the 49ers in that explosive offense. So the Bengals are getting some respect here is what I'm trying to point out. Even if they're not in the top 10, they're right on that fringe, and they have a lot of guys that, if things go right, could be a very strong group. I agree. Absolutely. I mean, if you would have said they're they're 11th, despite all of the, the flaws from injuries to underperforming or whatever, I think you'd take it. I, I just think that it shows that there are a lot of question marks on these teams. I mean, from really from like seven or eight down, 
you, you could make an argument for them to move up or for them to move down. And so um, I think 11 is respectable. I think that it's a, a good spot and the Bengals could either exceed that or they could disappoint uh, at that 11th spot this season. And there's certainly a, a wide range of outcomes for the wide receivers. Probably one of the biggest out of any position on the Bengals, considering the injuries that they've dealt with over the past couple of years. Lots of ranges of outcomes. I well, maybe stop saying this like four weeks into the season. Until then, you're going to hear me say range of outcomes ad nauseum on this podcast. In case you're wondering where the other couple teams in the AFC North are, Baltimore, 25th. No respect for Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. And, and this makes sense because they have mm-hmm. not invested highly at the wide receiver position. And at 18. The Pittsburgh Steelers, where it will be Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, and James Washington trying to show that they belong. I think this is high for the Steelers. I don't think that Juju Smith-Schuster is a number one in the NFL. He is still young, so he still has a chance. Really like Deontay Johnson. Could be a breakout player in 2020. The Steelers are generally good at finding these guys at receiver but I think they're going to miss Antonio Brown. We'll find out. We'll find out if Ben Roethlisberger still has it. But that's where those other teams are in the AFC North. We'll be back tomorrow for our weekend mailbag. I look forward to that, James. Do you look forward to that? I can't wait. I can't wait to hear from you guys and answer your questions. Start thinking about them now and make sure you tweet them to us at Locked On Bengals. Yeah, you missed it last week. I brought a random guy on the podcast, Mike Martis, one of our listeners. I just brought him on. I know Mike, yeah. Yeah, good guy. Anyway, we will get into that tomorrow, along with probably updating you on the outcome of this NFL owner's vote. Until then, Bengals fans, day and have a good one. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.